We've been talking about first, and this is actually the last Sunday of the series on first, and and uh, so I just want to kind of cap it off this week and share some things with you uh, about first that I believe can help you. And you know, it's amazing that the simplicity of what the Lord wants me to share with you, but if you grab it, it's amazing how it can motivate your life. Because when we talk about first, we're talking about priorities. You know, this is, first is a designation of priorities. What's first is your priority. It's what you're going to put first in your life. It's first place in your life. And listen, it drives all other priorities in your life. See, it's one thing to talk about a priority or talk about something being first, but all you have to do is watch how it works in your life and how it drives everything else. Okay? See, if you put one thing first, it's going to make a choice for everything else. And everything else is going to follow behind whatever's first. So it's, it's really talking about priorities. Whatever you put first in your decisions, your actions, your plans, indicate what's most important in your life. Not your words. Okay, I'm going back to Shreveport after lunch, so just... It'd be okay. Not your word. See, it's one thing to say. It's another thing to prioritize. And the only way you can recognize a priority is by actions. Because listen to me. Here's something else that you're going to have to understand. Whatever you put first is a priority. Now listen to this. And passion is driven by priorities. I can find your passion and I'll know what's important to you. Whatever, whatever your passion is, that's going to be a priority in your life. And if you have something that's an overwhelming passion in your life, that's what's going to drive your life. And so you need to make sure when you examine your life, and we're at the end of 21 days here, this is a great time to say, Lord, I got it that you're going to have to see what's really driving my life. Where are my passions? Where is my priority? See, now listen. I have a couple of hobbies that I, that I, that I do, and, and, you know, when I have time, and, and I enjoy them. But they're not a passion. I don't sacrifice something else for it. You know, there's a church that I just preached in in Arkansas, in rural Arkansas, and... Um, there is, a, there is a gap of time in that church where it's half empty. You know when that is? Hunting season. Now, I'm not trying to be critical. I just want you to see and understand. You can find out where somebody's priorities are. All you have to do is where, where, the, where their passion is. Okay. You got it? I know nobody here does that. We're talking about somebody that's probably watching online or going to listen to this online. It's not you, I know. Okay, so you cannot have a passion for something and not give it priority in your life. I, I like to do certain things, but they're not my passion because if they do and I start seeing they're going to control my life or control what should be first in my life, then I'm going to make an adjustment and say, no, we're not having it. Not having it anymore. 
That's one of the great things about fasting is it will tell you real quick if you have a priority in your life, if there's something out of whack in your life. Because the minute you start fasting it, you'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find out. Okay. So listen to this. A priority is something given or meriting attention. Now listen, it's important that you understand this definition. Something giving or meriting attention before competing alternatives. See, a priority always has a challenge. Something that's going to be first in your life is always going to be challenged by number two or number three, or, or something else in your life. And so what you've got to understand and realize is, I understand that, and they're going to always be competing alternatives. They're going to always be things that could take the place of number one. Jesus over in John, and I'm not going to read this, I'm going to just tell it to you, but, but Jesus over in John chapter 4 was ministering to a woman at a well. A Samaritan woman and, and, and was talking to her. He'd sent his disciples into town to get McDonald's. Okay? They, they, they hadn't eaten, and he sent them in town to get something to eat. So they, they, they come back, and Jesus has been ministering to this woman. They said, Jesus, hey, it's time to eat. And Jesus said something interesting. He said this. He said, uh, I've got food you don't know about. Now, they, didn't, they thought, well, maybe somebody brought you something to eat. That's what he's talking about. You know what he said? He said, my food is to do the will of God. See, Jesus' priority was to do the will of God. And even food did not put, a, put itself above what Jesus had focused on in his life. He had a priority, and there were always going to be competing alternatives. But you've got to make up your mind, I'm going to stick with the priority. Because if you do that, you're going to find out, when you do that, that God will begin to work in the other areas of your life and bring them where they need to be as well. Now, you're going to have to stick with me today because I'm going to show you something that will help you because this helped me understand how I can put God first in my life. See, if you're not careful, you'll think putting God first in your life means, oh, now, and it's, it, certainly these are reactions, and I'll explain that in a minute, to what God wants in your life. You know, tithing, coming to church, loving others, that those are things that put God first. But I'm going to show you how to always know where you are putting God first. Okay? Because it's not a list. Okay? It's not a list. Because, listen, we could be here for months talking about a list. Let me just throw out one. Obedience. Ooh. Yeah. There are lots of things, listen to me, that, that could fall under the category of putting him first. But here's the thing that you need to see. If you understand this, this is going to help you understand how to put God first and to make him first in your life because here here it is it's very simple our first priority should be a reaction
to the actions of God on our behalf. Now, you're just going to have to hang with me. You're going to get it, all right? I promise you. But if you'll understand this, then you'll never be in a place where you're thinking that some kind of works is going to put God first in my life. Because I know people that never miss church and all they do is stir up strife while they're there. Not here, obviously. Not here. So, so you understand what I'm saying? That, that There are always things you can say, well, I'm putting God first because I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. Well, I'm putting God first because I pray every day. Or I'm putting God. All those things are great. But listen to me. If they are not out of a reaction for what God's done, then you're just trying to work to make something first. But if you do it, there's a simple way to put God first. And that is just to be reactionary to what He's done in your life. A reaction is is a reciprocal or a countering force or an influence on something that's done in your life. In other words, when what God has done in our lives should cause us to react. And if you're reacting to what God has done in your life, you're always going to put Him first. Because what He's done in our lives and what He will do in our lives is far beyond anything that any other uh, motivation or any other thing that happens in your life can ever bring, bring to bear in your life a first place. Now, now just hang with me, and I'm going to show you this, because I think it'll help you understand this. God's actions demand a reciprocal response on our part. We don't just live in the glory of what God did. Oh, I'm so glad about what God did. Oh, isn't it wonderful what God did? Yeah, but I want to tell you, my, I found out from the Word of God that if God does something, there's always a response. There's always something that takes place in us to respond to what God did. Okay. You'll get it. Just, I, I believe you'll get it. Trust me, Shreveport didn't get it either when I first started, but they got it. So if they get it, I know you can. Now listen to this. If you understand what I'm about to tell you and you respond to what I'm telling you, In your everyday life, you're going to always put God first. It'll be natural. It should be natural. It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be something where you have to make yourself, I got to go to church or, well, I guess, you know, Pastor David talked about tithing. I guess I'm going to have to tithe. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with your response to what God's done in your life. So let me just simply, let me expel it out for you simply, and I think this will help you through the Scripture, all right? Because here's the thing you've got to understand about God. God acted first toward us. There is absolutely nothing you can do to motivate God to do more than what He's already done for you. He's already acted toward you. In fact, even talking about giving, there's nothing you've got God didn't give you. You can't give away something that you think belongs to you when God gave it to you in the first place. Somehow we get the idea it belongs to you. You're mistaken. You're mistaken. So what you have to understand is that God 
acted toward us first. So we have to react to what he has done in our lives. Now let me explain it to you, all right? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Listen to what listen to what it says. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Can't get much bigger than that. God, through Jesus, reconciled the whole world to himself. He acted first toward us. I like one translation says this. God was personally present reconciling us. Another translation says God was acting in Christ to reconcile us. John 3.16 says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved, he acted first. We didn't deserve it. We didn't act on it. We weren't thinking about it. We weren't motivated. He did it anyway. So he acted toward us. Not only that, it says in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, listen to this, that he made Jesus to be sin for us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him to be sin for us. You can't get much bigger than that. He acted toward us. One translation says this, God calls Christ, who himself knew nothing of sin, to actually be sin for our sakes. It says in Isaiah that it pleased God to bruise him and to make his offering, his soul an offering for our sins. That's big. That's big. That's something God did. We didn't do it. It was nothing we could do to get it done, nothing we could do to accomplish it. God did it. He acted toward us to forgive us of our sins, not just forgive us, but literally obliterate them through Jesus so that we would not live our whole lives condemned by sin and condemned to the death that sin demands. Impossible for any person to do that. Now listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. Listen to what it says. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Even when I was dead in my sin, even when I was living a lifestyle of a sinner, even when I was living in an in a totally irreverent life, totally oblivious to the, to the God who had saved me, he still did it. He looked down through time. Listen, he looked down through time and he saw Sam Carr and he saw me the way I was living and he just smiled. He just smiled. You know why? Because he was going to do it anyway. 
He was going to die. He sent his son to die for me anyway. I'll never forget one time, and I, 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 I don't know. I, probably, I may have shared this here. I don't know. But I'll never forget before I got saved, and really not too long before I got saved, maybe six, eight months before I got saved, I was coming home from a night out drinking and drugs and partying. And, and I'll never forget it because it was already daylight. And in fact, it was middle of the morning. And I was driving through the neighborhood going back to my house and, and uh, that morning, and I was still drunk and still hungover. And, and I drove by this church, and there were people walking in the church, you know, walking up the sidewalk, walking in the church, a little, you know, church in a neighborhood. And, and I'll never forget, I rolled my window down, and I yelled, Fools! No, that did not phase God a bit. He didn't get mad. I'm going to kill that boy. I'm, I'm setting a car wreck for him up right now on the way home. He ain't going to make it. No, you know why? Because he had already paid the price for my stupidity, for my sin, for my life, the way I was, the way I was living, all the garbage in my life, all the messes in my life. He had already sent his son to die even when I was still living in those trespasses, living that life. I, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that I was without Jesus. I was a stranger from the covenants of promise. I was without hope and without God in the world. But yet right on the other side, there was Jesus waiting on me. Jesus waiting on me. God acted toward me. He moved toward me through his son. And all I had to do was make up my mind, I'm going to choose him. I'm going to choose him. But here's something even more amazing about what God did. Not only did God act toward me, he acted in me. See, here's something I don't think we realize sometimes. And, 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 I, and it's something that God has really helped me because there is no way the way I was living and the way I thought that I could just go to church and, and, and say, okay, I'm going to serve God now and walk out the doors and serve God. You know why? Because my nature wasn't changed. So not only did God act for me, he acted in me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Whoo, I'm so glad. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, he knew that something had to happen to Sam Carr to live the life that he wanted me to live. And I couldn't live it with that old nature. So guess what? He said, you're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to become a new 
creature. Now, here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing that I think we miss sometimes. When do you quit reacting to that? When you've been, say, 40 years or 50 years? or When do you quit reacting to that? Listen, I still tell my testimony of how I got saved. October the 17th, 1974. It's a Thursday night. I still, why? Because I'm still reacting to it. I thank God all the time for what he has done in my life. But it's more than thanking him. I live a life that is totally reactionary to what he did for me. I don't just say, well, I'm a Christian now. It's like a man I was talking to one day about the Lord and, and a businessman, very wealthy man, and uh, it's a group that I play golf with. I call them my heathen group. They don't like it when I say that either, I can tell you. But they're all, they're, God just put me with them. They're all wealthy businessmen. Many of them are my age, and, and they're retired, and some of them are older and and. And uh, but thank God they they respect me and they let me play with them. But but I was talking to one of the guys one day and he said, "Sam, I walked down the aisle and I ain't walking again." Now where's my martini? See, there's no reaction to what what God did. No reaction. You can't put God first that way. You don't put God first by recognizing that He did something. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or 40 years ago. You, you, you don't do it. You react every day to what he did in your life. And when you, when you live that kind of life, you're going to always put him first. He's going to always be first in your life because now you're a new creature in Christ. I am no longer counting. Uh, God, God said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. He is no longer counting the one-time apostasy of his creatures against them. See, some people, they get saved and then they make a mistake or they get into sin or something happens in their life and they let the devil tell them, no, no. You're not gonna make it. You're not gonna make it. No, you screwed up. I don't know. God'll never forgive you. Wait a minute. He forgave me forever. All I've got to do is react to God instead of reacting to sin, reacting to the devil, and I'm gonna put God back first in my life. I'm gonna live for him. I'm gonna serve him. I'm not gonna live the other way because that's not what God has for me. One translation says this If a man is in Christ, there is a new act of creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Woo, I like that. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, you know, it's interesting because we still got to renew our minds. We still have to do things. But, but listen, they are a reaction to what God has already done. Why do I read the Bible? Because it's my book now. Why do I pray to God? Because he's my God now. It's not because, well, I better pray. Well, I better read the Bible. I better go to church. Wait a minute. The Bible says that the church is God's son's body. You took it today. You declared today 
hey, we're, we're a body. We're, we're receiving of the body of the Lord, remembering that we are a body. So I don't go to church. I never went to church because I felt like I was obligated to go. I went to church because I put God first. And if I put him first, I'm going to put his son first. And if I'm going to put his son first, I'm going to put his body first. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a reaction. It's what we ought to do, not because we're guilty if we don't. The good news is he's taking care of the guilt part. What we've got to do is make up our minds. We're just going to react to what God's done and live the life of fullness that he has for us. Another translation says, the old order is gone and a new order has already begun. Man, I walked out of that church that Thursday night, didn't know my head from a hole in the ground about the Bible, didn't know an apostle from an epistle. I mean, when I sat down in church, they, they said, open your Bible to such and such. I had no clue. I had to keep one finger on the index for a year. But you know what? I wasn't doing it because I felt like I had to read the Bible now that I got saved. I was doing it because I'm in fellowship with God now. And this is his book. And I want him in my life. All right, here's the question. When does that ever stop in the life of a believer? Never. And if it has, then you're not reacting to God anymore. You're reacting to some other priority, whatever it is. You don't have to make it happen. All you have to do is react to what God has done in your life. I still, from time to time, will get weepy over what God has done in my life. The power and the impact of it and where I was going and what I was going to do. Becky and I were at dinner the other night. Actually, um, last night, I guess. No, Friday night. Friday night. We, and we went to this restaurant, and we were sitting there eating, and there was a table sitting next to us, and boy, they were drinking the wine, they were drinking the drinks, and they were, you know, in the more, and we, we watched them, because been there, done that, you know. So I know what happens. Longer the di- night went, the louder they got. More they drank. And, I was, and Becky and I were talking, I said, Becky, can you imagine if we had stayed on the same track that we had been on when we were in our 20s, we would be just like those people. If we were alive, we would be just like those people. But see, here's the thing. We're not. You know why we're not? Listen, okay? Listen carefully. You know why we're not? Because we, we reacted to what God did for us. And even to this day, we thank God. We prayed that night, thank you, Lord what you have done in my life. Thank you, God, for working in my life. And so what does that do? It motivates you to continually react to what he did and tell other people about what he did for you because you know he can do the same thing for them. You're constantly reacting to him. So now our priority in our life is he's not keeping up with my sin. I don't have to walk around guilty. I love one translation of, of 2 Corinthians 5, 19. It says, by not counting persons guilty who have gotten off track. Did you know everybody can get off track? 
But you know what? He's not counting you guilty because you got off track. He's trying to help you get back on track. How do you do that? First thing you've got to do is you've got to recognize what he did for you and go back to what he did for you as your priority and start reacting to that first before anything else. Your worship, is it just singing? Or is it worship because of what he did for you? You have to react. You have to respond to what he did. So now our priority is to totally just react to him. Now let me show you this in the Word because I think it will help you. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Listen to what it says. Listen to what Paul said. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. You do know that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that old man dies. Okay? All right. Now, now listen to me. Okay? Now listen to the next verse. And he died for all, okay, his action, that those who live, that's us, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's my reaction. Because of what he did for me, now I live for him. My actions are toward him. My reaction is, okay, God, you did this in my life, so I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to do your will. I want to do what you want in my life. And all of a sudden, it just spreads out to every portion of your life. And he becomes that first priority in your life. He becomes that passion in your life. You don't have to be forced to go invite four people to church in a year. Because you do it because you know what will happen. Because God's already done it for you. Jesus taught a parable about priorities. Now, I'm not going to read this. It's in Luke chapter 7, starts in verse 38. I'm going to just tell it to you. But Jesus sat down with some Pharisees. Now, these are know-it-alls, you know, church know-it-alls. They know the Bible. They know everything. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you do, just so you know that, okay? It matters what you, what you do. So, so Jesus is sitting there at the table with them, and this woman comes in, just walks in off the street, because she heard Jesus was there. She walks up to Jesus, gets down on her knees, listen to me, gets down on her knees and takes an alabaster, alabaster flax of oil, very expensive oil, and she starts pouring it on his feet and then wiping it off with the tears of her eyes and her hair. You know what the Pharisees did? The people, the know-it-alls? Don't you know who that woman is? Don't you know what she's all about? They were indignant. So you know what Jesus said to them? He asked them a question in, in verse 41. He, I mean, I mean he, he, he gave a parable in verse 41. He said, there's a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five denarii, hundred denarii, the other fifty. When nothing 
with which to, they had nothing to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love the more? Priorities. Then he said in verse 37, he said, To whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. See, I think sometimes we forget how much God has forgiven us of. And so we'll judge someone else not realizing what God did for us. You know why? Because our priorities get out of whack. That's a good way. Listen, I have to tell you, I, I admit it. I have looked at some people and I said, no way. They, they're going to hell. Hey, I want to tell you something now. Now, this may, may I want to tell you something. Five years ago, would you have said Kanye West was going to hell? The guy's preaching Jesus. Justin Bieber is preaching Jesus. Well, I don't like it. He's got all these tattoos. You might want to go read this. You better go back and, and, and start reacting to what God's done in your life. And instead of judging others, you'll start rejoicing at what God Well, he ain't going to make it. It'll be, you know, this is just a fad. Are you, well, I hope they didn't say that about you. Because they said that about me. My brother said that about me. He told me one time, I hadn't been saved but about five years, and I, I went to witness to him, and I, I, I had been terrible to my brother. I was just, I, you know, he was younger, and I was just mean to him. And, and he didn't trust me, and I don't blame him. But you know what? He, he told me, he said, oh, this, this won't last. You'll be back where you were, living the same life you used to live. And you know what? It was, it, listen, it was literally 30 years before he actually realized, you know what? I think what you're doing is working. <laughs> so I've had that said about me by my own family. So I understand. But the point is, you better go back and check up on yourself. What have I been forgiven of? What has God done in my life? And start reacting to that. And when you start reacting to that, I want to tell you what's going to happen you're going to get a passion for people. You're going to get a passion for Jesus to touch somebody else's life. I had somebody in my church, an older person in my church. They had worked in our church for a long time, and it really bothered me, still bothers me. And they were, someone was asking them to do something in the church, and, and, and this lady threw up her hand and said, Nope, I'm done. I'm not doing anything else. I'm done. I've done my dues. i paid my dues. You know what? You know what she's telling me? I've changed my priorities. I've changed my priorities. That's scary. I have people all the time ask me. I mean, I'm 72 uh, years old. And I have people, when are you going to retire? When Jesus comes back. Are you kidding me? I, I, what am I going to do? Tell Jesus, well, Jesus, you know, most people in America retire, you know, when they're 70 or so, and so... Just thought I'd do the same. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm talking about reacting to God. And here's the thing that's amazing about this. When you start reacting to what God's done, 
then he starts giving you assignments. And he starts giving you things to do. and He starts asking you to do this and to do this. And the more you respond to him and you react to him, the more your life becomes full. Now, see, we get distracted. And, 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 and look, life is distracting. Life is distracting. It can be really distracting. But you've got to make up your mind that my first priority is to react to what God's done in my life and to thank Him for it and to make sure it stays priority in my life. I had a friend many years ago, and he, he called what I'm talking about the rubber ball effect. He said that to me one day. He, I, he, said, he said, Sam, you're so passionate about the Lord. I hadn't been saved but about probably five, eight years at that time. He said, man, you're so passionate about God. He said, it's just a rubber ball effect. I said, what are you talking about? He said, he said, you were so, he, he, he said, you fell, you fell so far that when you hit the bottom and Jesus touched you, you bounced higher. And that's what Jesus was talking about, this woman who came and washed her, washed his feet. Hey, this woman's a sinner. Do you think? She recognizes much is forgiven. See, it's scary to me, and I can talk to you because I'm part of this older generation now. Can't believe it, but but it's scary to me how many people my age, do you know that baby boomers are the least church group? They don't go to church anymore. You know why? They're priorities. The priority. You'd think it was millennials. It's not. It's it's people that used to go to church. What happens? Well, they got kids. They got grandkids. They want to travel. They want to do this. They want to do that. But but I want to tell you something. Listen to me. Your priorities. What's first in your life can't change. And and you you have to remember what God has done in your life. And there are core things that never change with God when you put him first. And, and, and I want to tell you, you you've got to know that. You can't just decide how you're going to live your life. He will help you decide how to live your life when you make the, him your priority in your life. Now listen, don't live a dual life. Live your life reacting to God. How do you do that, Pastor? Here's a real simple way. Make his first your first. Whatever he puts first, you put first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's a priority. You have to make up your mind, this is how I'm going to live my life. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, it says, if you're raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above and not which are where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Why? Because you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what's he saying? You need to think different. You need to react because your life is in a different place. We, we love to be social in church, and we should be social in church. But we ought, to, we ought to be profoundly impacted by the fact that God lets us come to church. 
that we have a place. So if you just understand, it's so simple. God chose to act toward you without any motivation other than love. Now we've got to put our actions first toward him in everything we do. Don't be one of these Pharisees that the ball doesn't bounce very far. I, I have to tell you, I'd rather identify with a woman washing Jesus' feet any day because her passion declared her priorities. And you have to make that same choice in your, in your life. Would you bow your heads with me, please?